Welcome to the Great Communicators podcast presented by the MIT Office of Graduate Education, a professional development podcast expressly designed to bring lessons from the field to our graduate student researchers. My name is Adam Greenfield, and one of my passions is poetry, both reading and writing. I've also been lucky enough to have a collection of poetry published. And through this passion, I frequently find myself at poetry readings, citing some of my writing to audiences both big and small. To say I don't get butterflies in my stomach each time would be a lie. But over the years, as I've tried to better my performance and storytelling skills, I'm verbally practicing out loud to my cat and otherwise empty apartment. And part of that practice also involves physical movement. And what I've found is, along with my communicating skills improving, there are less and less butterflies each time. Now, when it comes to communication, especially to a live audience, even the greatest communicators started off a bundle of nerves. But if you ask each one, I bet they'd tell you with practice and an engaging communicative performance, including just the slightest physical movement, it gets easier and easier each time, even if in small increments. Our guest in this episode is no stranger to using his body in front of an audience to enhance concepts and ideas within a talk or story. He's not doing somersaults or jumping jacks, but... A little movement goes a long way. That's Len Cabral. And I'm a professional storyteller. Len's been telling stories and folktales since 1976 to many different kinds of audiences. So where did he get a start? I was working in a daycare center, and I was in charge of 15 five-year-olds. That'll make a storyteller. I watched a few videos of Len telling stories, and I noticed a trend no matter the age of the audience. Len's physical movements, especially with his hands, were a major component of his communication skills. Well, I, I've always used my hands uh, when, I, when, I, when I speak, but uh, when I'm in a performance, when I'm developing a story, uh, at times I will use my hands to, uh, you know, to uh, maybe make, make that story a little clearer or maybe use my hands so they don't have to use so many words. When talking about a complex subject or to an audience with a limited background, I can actually see where this could come in handy, no pun intended. Okay, maybe a little bit. Len gave an example of how useful it can be. You don't know the, the depth of your audience's vocabulary when you're working with children. So, for example, if I said, uh, and the witch flew through the window and she sat down by her cauldron. Now, some children may know what a cauldron is, uh, even... Uh, but even children born in this country may not, because it's such an old word, may not have heard that word cauldron. So um, if I use the word cauldron and at the same time move my hands to show a bowl, a half a bowl, a container, so a student who didn't know that word cauldron wouldn't be lost because they go, oh, a cauldron must be... uh, some sort of container, a bowl, uh, a pot, or something like that, just by moving my hands that way. Implementing physical involvement into the story is a really great way of engaging your audience, too. You're not just helping them understand what you're saying, but you're also asking them to be a part of the story you're telling. I look at storytelling as 
I'm spreading my arms out and pulling everybody close. You know, like uh, traditional theater has that fourth wall where we separate the audience from the stage. With storytelling, it's, you know, it's almost like pulling that audience onto the stage. It's open. And so my hands are open, and uh, so I try to use encouragement when I'm, especially when I'm asking people to participate. I'm waving them on, luring them into the story, using my hands to lure them in. Well, now I've got a warm and fuzzy feeling inside, but there's still a part of me that feels nervous. I don't have the performance training or decades of experience to know when, in the story, these sort of physical techniques come in handy. Well, you know, I guess it comes with practice in rehearsing that story. When I'm in my studio uh, working on a new story, you know, I'm pacing, I'm using different voices, I use different techniques to help me to capture that story in my mind, so I might sing that story, or I might do the whole story in mime. It's just a, uh, what I call physicalizing the story. So when I'm telling a story and say a bell rings or the door slams and I lose my, my chain of thought uh, because I got distracted, I can check out where I am physically and I'll know what story I'm telling. I'll know where I am in a story. I can look at photographs that people have taken of me telling stories over the years and I, and I can say, well, I know I was telling such and such a story. It's because I guess what I, how I learn the story is, is physically as well as verbally. And so um, I, can, I can check myself on if I'm speaking too fast, if uh, I need to slow the story down. So it's, um, the movement is, a, for me, the movement is a big part of the story because it connects me to, to the story. Len really embraces reading out loud, too. A lot of people don't don't read aloud. I I love to read aloud. I love to have people read aloud. But reading aloud, you know, finding a story that you wanna uh, you wanna be able to share, but reading that story aloud helps you find the rhythm of the story and your pacing and how it works with you. And so by reading aloud, for me, uh, I can remember. I'm, I if I hear things, I remember them better than if I read them. So by me reading aloud, the, my voice leaves me and comes back to me, and I can lock it in. And so I'm a strong proponent about reading aloud. But I think reading aloud helps one find your voice, find the rhythm of your voice and the rhythm of that particular story, and it also allows you to um, play with that story as reading aloud, realizing, you know, this doesn't have to be said in that story because... Uh, when things are being read, you might need more words. But when things are being spoken, because you can use your facial expressions and your body movement, that you don't need as many words as you would use if you were just reading from text, from a text. Of course, you're not expected to be perfect when you talk, at least not right away. So if and when you stumble during a talk or performance, Perhaps this tale will help you get through it gracefully. There was a uh, professor who uh, always had a story about anything. A student would say something to him and say, Well, I got a story about that. One of the students said, Professor, how many stories do you know? Every time someone asks you about a question about something, you said you have a story about that. And the professor said, Well, I have a story about that. 
and he told this story about this uh, young man who was sent off for military training, and he learned how to shoot the crossbow, the longbow, throw the javelin, and he really became an expert at the bow and arrow. And he finished his training, and he's returning home, and he's riding through the countryside on his horse, but he stopped so his horse could get some water, and he looked around, and he saw on the side of a barn 50 bullseyes, targets, with an arrow dead center in each one of them. He was amazed by this work, and he wanted to find out who's, who's the marksman in this town. And he saw a young boy, and he said, hey, whose work is this? Who's the marksman in your town? And the boy said, oh, that's Sam, the uh, town fool. Fool? You, are you serious? Look, look, he's, he's a marksman. He's, he, look at all those bullseyes. And the, the boy said, oh, oh, Sam, first he makes the hole, then he draws a circle around it. When it comes to effective communication, it's not just about the content. According to Len, using physical movement to tell a story and engage your audience is a pretty important skill and tool to employ. It can really help break down the barriers to an understanding that perhaps the words being used couldn't. And the best way to perfect that skill is to constantly practice, and not just in your head. Practice out loud, even if you're doing the dishes, or taking a shower, or stuck in traffic. Anytime you can practice, in order to better your communication skills, is a good time to practice. Thanks for listening to the Great Communicators podcast brought to you by the MIT Office of Graduate Education. My name is Adam Greenfield, and feel free to talk amongst yourselves. This podcast was written and produced by Adam Greenfield. The executive producer of this podcast is Patrick Urich. The Great Communicators Podcast. The Great Communicators Podcast, Brad Comex Live, Brad Comex The Game, and the Technically Speaking Comic Book Series are part of a professional development initiative called BradX. BradX is made possible by BradX is made possible by the Office of Graduate Education at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. To find out more about GradX as well as get access to other episodes of the Great Communicators podcast, go to gradx.mit.edu. Go to gradx.mit.edu. For more information and links on the music used in this episode, please see the show notes.